Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Joshua chapter 1. Let's read from the New King James, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So he's giving them a land. He's already promised them a land. This is a past promise. He's talking past tense, but he's bringing it to fruition now. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These are the words that God is speaking to uh, the servant, the warrior, the fighter, the soldier, Joshua. Joshua has already endured through a time in the land of Egypt as a slave. Joshua has seen the mighty hand of God deliver the Israelites from the Egyptian oppression, come across through, uh, well, we saw 10 plagues, saw Pharaoh uh, only by the favor of God deliver the people. Then they uh, end up in front of a Red Sea with Pharaoh's army behind them, and they see God move once again and part the Red Sea, they walk across on dry ground. And to sum it all up, God isn't one of those gods that likes to leave enemies, you know, laying on the ground with breath in their lungs, uh, you know, like you see in the movies. And then they always end up coming back and they're going to come back and get you because you didn't make sure that they were dead. And so he said, I'm going to swallow them up in the Red Sea that was the path for deliverance for you is going to destroy them and swallow them up. Now they're in a wilderness 
And even in the wilderness, even in a land that was unknown to them, even in a land where they were grumbling and complaining and, 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 and all this stuff, uh, even in that territory, uh, God was still working on their behalf. And Joshua saw this. I mean, Joshua saw water come out of a rock. And Joshua saw uh, 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 birds bring dinner at night. And jo Joshua saw a whole new type of breakfast buffet laying on the ground every morning when they woke up. And Joshua saw uh, that they were able to conquer their enemies uh, by God's hand. And so now Moses has gone, uh, he's passed on, he's not able to enter the promised land, uh, and, and now we have a group of people that's died off. Joshua and Caleb are the only remnant left of that previous generation. Now we got all these young, young bucks, all these young kiddos that we're taking in to this new land, this new territory, and now God is, is marking Joshua as the new leader, and, and his words to Joshua are, I'm taking them in, you're gonna inherit, you're gonna divide, I'm giving them the land, I've promised the land, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Have courage. Be of good courage. Follow the command. Meditate on my word day and night. Do not be dismayed. And the fact that God keeps repeating this statement, have I not said, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I, I, I have not forsaken you. I have left you implies you might end up in scenarios where it feels like you're all alone. I just am telling you, I'm letting you know from the onset, I'm proactive. I haven't gone anywhere. One of the, the point I'm making is that God has promised us immunity from trials and tribulation in our lives. But I need to define immunity because immunity, a lot of us like to think, means avoidance. In our minds, it means God's gonna give me a detour. God's gonna reroute me. I was uh, talking, to, I think I was talking to Chase about this a couple of weeks ago, that a lot of times we think God is Siri. See, my, my GPS in my truck and, and on my phone, uh, just a couple of weekends ago, my wife and I, we celebrated our 12th anniversary. We went down to Orlando. This is the longest, worth, worst trip I've ever had going to Orlando. And I'm like, what in the world is the problem? Basically from Gainesville all the way down uh, to that little turnpike thing that gets you into Orlando going down 75, it was all red on my little thing. And Siri, her little sweet little voice, you are still on the fastest route. There is a 20, 25 minute delay ahead, but you are still on the fastest route. But I know Siri... If she could, she would get me around it. She would try to, if I was in, you know, uh, the, a Metroplex area, if I was actually in like Jacksonville or actually in Orlando, she would reroute me. She would, she would help me avoid. And that's what we think the whole, sometimes we have this idea that the Holy Spirit's gonna help us avoid problems. But that's not what God's saying here in Joshua chapter one. 
He's giving all this precursor. He hasn't even given the command to go yet. He's setting them up and he's saying, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not... Do not, be, do not think that I've forsaken you. I've abandoned you. I've left you. Because there's going to be opportunities where you're going to think, God, where are you? You said you promised us the land. You said you promised us the territory. You said that we were, you, we were going to divide this to our inheritance. You said that we would inherit this. You said that this was going to be our. You said wherever the sole of our foot treads, it will belong to us. And God's saying, yep, but there's going to be a, a, a opposition that's going to come as a result that the people on the other end aren't that necessarily as excited as you are that you're in here you know the enemy is not excited that you're taking territory for the kingdom of God sometimes the fact that the devil is leaving us alone is an indication we're not doing anything we're not disrupting his world enough we're, we're not advancing enough we're not pressing enough we're not pushing enough and you know everything just seems nice that means that maybe we we need to buck up a little bit we need to say okay god what is it that you want me to press into it's a little too quiet right now but we think that god is this god that promises us calmness and peace and 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 you know we're going to avoid the the struggles of the world uh, if we come over here to uh look at first thessalonians chapter 3 they're going to put it on the screen for you first thessalonians chapter 3 and i actually want to read this in the new living translation first thessalonians chapter 3 we're going to start with verse 1 finally when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. Three things. We sent Timothy to you to number one, strengthen you Number two, to encourage you in your faith. And number three, to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. That tells me that Paul felt the need to send Timothy that either there was some kind of indication that they were being weakened, they were becoming discouraged, and that they were being shaken by the troubles that they were going through. Right? You wouldn't say, I'm coming to strengthen you if you don't need it. I'm coming to encourage you if 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 there's no discouragement no signs of discouragement i'm coming to keep you from being shaken if there's nothing that could possibly shake you but all three of these implies that there was opportunity opportunity to be weakened discouraged and shaken but you know that we are destined for such troubles even while we were with you we warned you that troubles would soon come and they did as you well know. That is why, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out, watch this, whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Our work of what? Our work of preparing you, our work of building you up, our work of, of, of planting this ministry in the midst of resistance. You know, the church was born in the midst of resistance. 
in the book of Acts. Not, yeah, I mean, the, the, on, on day one of the church, Peter and John walk into the, to the gate called Beautiful, heal a man uh, by the power of God. Uh, you know, gold and silver, we have none, but what we do have, we give to you because I can only give you what I have. I can't give you what I don't have. In the name of what? Jesus, the name we just worshiped and talked about, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He's walking, leaping, praising God, goes to church with them. Amen, thank God, what a blessing, what a miracle. That same day, they end up before the royal courts having to answer for a miracle. Why? They just disrupted devil's work. And he's searing, hot, mad, because he thought he just got rid of the issue by killing Jesus. And now we've only made it worse. He recognizes that we just poked the bee's nest and now they're all coming out. And now we got all these disciples and all these followers and all these Christians uh, everywhere. And now it's even worse than when the lunatic Jesus was on the plane. At least it was just isolated to one man. Now we've got all these uh, followers of this man, all these lunatics and zealots for Christ that are, are going nuts all over the place. And the church was born in the midst of resistance, not in the midst of welcoming, not in the midst of saying, hey, we need a church here. Not in the, they, it, was, it was the resistance against the church that actually caused the advancement of the gospel. It's, it, it, it's all about perspective. The church was scattered. Christians were scattered all over the place. You could say, oh no, we're getting you know, disembodied and, and now we're you know, our brethren all over the place. Or you can look at it and say, well, now we got a church over there. Now we got a church over there. Now we got a church over here. Now we got believers over there. Now we got faith-filled people over here. Now we got Christians. And now we have what we have today. Why? Because of resistance. Resistance to the gospel and resistance to the churches being planted. And, and, and Paul is speaking to a real life situation here. He's saying that there, there are people that are coming against you and we knew we were destined for trouble. To define immunity, I'll give you two definitions that I have here. The word immunity means the ability of a cell, the ability of a cell to react immunologically. Just figure out how to spell it. You got it. Sound it out. To react immunologically in the presence of an antigen. I said in the presence of. Not the avoidance of, but in the presence of an antigen. Something that would attack the body. It's the ability of a cell to react immunologically in the presence of an antigen. Another definition that I have, the condition, the condition that permits either natural or acquired resistance to disease. The condition that permits either natural or acquired resistance to disease. Immunity is defined as the condition that permits either natural or acquired 
resistance to the disease. A strong immune system is usually related to a healthy body. The strength of the immune system is usually determined and limited by the health of the body. Usually when we say, uh, you know, uh, someone is healthy, one thing that speaks to that is their ability or the ability of their immune system to what? Fight off disease. Having a strong immune system is not avoiding disease. It's resisting it. Having a strong immune system does not guarantee you that you'll never be in the presence of a disease. It means that you'll resist it and endure it even when it's around you, even when it's touching you, even when it's surrounding you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. I have built up not just a tolerance and not just an avoidance. I have built up a resistance to the work of the enemy that's coming against me. I have built up an endurance to press through struggle and trials and tribulations. And so here in Joshua, God is telling him that you need to remember, do not be dismayed, be strong and of good courage. What's that mean? There's gonna be something coming in this new territory, in this new season, that's gonna demand your strength and could zap your strength and could weaken you and could cause you to become discouraged. Paul here is encouraging the Thessalonian church that I'm sending Timothy to you to strengthen you, encourage you, and make sure that you're not shaken. I'm sending him to make sure that you are still strong in the faith. What's he doing? I'm giving you some vitamin C. I'm shooting your immune system to build up your resistance to what's happening. I'm not saying God's just gonna eliminate the struggle around you. I'm saying he's gonna strengthen the resistance within you. I'm not just going to, okay, pull you out. In fact, Jesus himself in John chapter 17, uh, when he was praying for you and I, he's praying for the church. And he said these words, Father, I do not pray that you take them out of the world. Uh, we got to look at it. I'm sorry. I can't just quote it. I mean, I can quote it, but you need to see it. There's something about getting your eyes on the word. John chapter 17 Andre, if you would, John chapter 17 and uh, verse 15. This is Jesus praying for the church, not just for his disciples, not just for those 12, not just for himself, not just, you know, for the, the people in the book of Acts, for the church universal, for the church eternal. Look what he says here. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. I'm not praying that you should cause them to avoid the problems and the challenges and the struggles and the issues of the world. But I pray that you what? Keep them from, resist, endure, help them press through the evil one. I pray that you help them build an immunity to what the enemy may try to bring against them. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Uh, I know 
you know, as you know, I've seen people that have been so sick and that have been uh, uh, their immune system so weakened that they have to be put in places of isolation, that they cannot have contact with the world around them, many times even cut off from their own family members. Children can't see their mothers for months on end while, they're, while the mother is receiving care and building her immune system and getting her body to a place that it can fight off disease that even those that love them could become someone that could carry something even as minor as a cough or the flu and it could kill what, what one person could fight off with a strong immune system, it would destroy someone else. So I think a lot of us, you know, we think of heaven as this isolation booth, this isolation box, this hospital room, if you will, where sickness doesn't touch me. There's no, there's no crying in heaven. There's, there's no tears in heaven. There's, there's no sickness in heaven. All the struggles and all the issues. And so we long for the isolation booth when God is saying, no, 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 no. I need you in the earth as a functioning believer because I don't need you infected by the world because I need you to affect the world. I need you to get what's in you in them, not what's in them in you. And so if I just bring you up to heaven, sure, it solves the struggles and the trials and the issues, but that's not the issue because none of that stuff can touch you. None of that stuff can bring you down. None of that can stop the kingdom work of what God is trying to do. And many times God will use what the enemy meant for bad or for evil to actually advance his kingdom. And the enemy actually ends up shooting himself in the foot and ends up having to, to, to uh, answer for his own attacks because what he thought was going to take somebody out would actually solve a bigger problem than he ever thought. And the devil would have been better off leaving you alone, Kyle. He should have never touched you. Right? This is the attitude we ought to have. This is how we should live our lives, with a resistance, not a tolerance, with a resistance to the things of the enemy. It doesn't mean I'm removed from their presence. It means that their presence is removed from me. It means that what the enemy thinks he can stop me with doesn't stop me. It actually causes the advancement of the gospel to further. Paul said that. He said, these people, we read it just a few weeks ago in Philippians chapter one. You know, I'm in these chains, but what they don't realize is now I've just been given an audience I would have never had if I would have never been brought in these chains and had the opportunity to minister to royal uh, uh, individuals, people high up. uh, And then on top of that, the Roman guards that are surrounding me day to day. I mean, we already know that Paul and Silas were able to save a Roman guard when they were put in that dungeon and they began to sing praises at midnight. What's that? Resistance and endurance to the struggle and the challenge that came because they obeyed God. We don't have time to mope around when trials hit us. We don't have time to say, oh me, oh my, when the struggles come. In fact, Jesus is responding and saying, I warned you. I told you. I said, 
in Matthew chapter 24. Go ahead and, and throw that one up there, Matthew chapter 24. Thought I had it here. There it is, verse 9. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. Jesus himself speaking on this subject. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Because of me, they will hate you. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And that's even worse than just killing someone. Getting an offense and betraying each other and, and hating those that we once walked in love towards. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Wow, Jesus, this sounds horrible. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who what? Endures to the end. He who builds up an immune system that can resist those issues and those, those pathogens and those antigens and those things that would come to destroy your body, if you can build up an inward resistance, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Not the one that gets plucked out. We think God save me means God remove me from the struggle, remove me from the issue. And God is wanting to say, no, 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 no. The whole reason I have you there is to overcome the struggle, is to be a witness, to be a light, to be a salt in the earth, to bring flavor to a world that is flavorless. I need you there for a purpose, for a reason. I'm not praying that you come out of the world. I'm praying that you are kept from the, the evil one and from the evil that surrounds the world and that seems like it wants to stop you. But if you will build up an immunity, you can resist it and you can endure through it and you can persevere through it. To, uh, uh, Paul writes it this way in writing to Timothy. Which one do we want here? Do 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 4. We'll look at verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 4. In the New King James, it reads this way. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Writing this to Timothy from a prison cell. And the time of my departure is at hand. That means he knows. He recognized I'm coming to the end. And that the, the things that I've resisted and the things that I've persevered through and, and, and those struggles, those challenges, I recognize my life is literally any moment they can come in. In fact, by the time you read this, I may not even be here anymore. That's how, that's how he's, this is the connotation he's writing with. Not with a hopelessness, though. Not with a hopelessness. Because he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And the most important one, and I've kept 
I've kept the faith. Remember what he told that church in Thessalonica? I'm coming to make sure that your faith is still strong and that our work wasn't in vain, that our work wasn't useless. I've kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He said, I can't go until it's my time to go. And until that moment comes, I will resist, I will endure, I will push through, I will persevere. They cannot take me out. He gave his resume there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe, uh, of all the shipwrecks, all the beatings, all the, uh, 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 you know, even dying, being stoned, uh, being whipped with lashes, put in prisons, put in jails, put in stocks. Uh, on top of that, the emotional distress that he went through when, when people that once followed him attacked him and abandoned him, people that he thought were close to him when he needed them the most weren't there. And then on top of all that, his daily concern and care for the churches. He's got quite a resume of perseverance and endurance and pushing through. And, 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 and Paul was saying that, This is how you make it to the end. In the end, you want to be able to say what he said. I ran my race. I fought the the fight. I mean, listen to the the connotation of that. It's enduring. I ran my race, not watched a race. I fought the fight, not watched the fight, not ran from the fight. But he's saying, "I, I have pushed through. And now my time of departure is at hand. But I have, I can stand here. I can, and I can not only just say this, but I can write this and let this be struck down for all eternity. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith in times where it would have been easy to lose my faith, to give up my faith, to cast away my faith, to let my faith become weakened, to let my faith, let the strains of life and the pressures and the challenges and the tribulations and the trials and the struggles become greater around me than the presence of God within me. There's those times that, that that could have happened, but I kept my faith. I mean, you don't boast about keeping your faith if there wasn't something coming to take your faith. It's no boast to say, I kept the faith, man. We had a cheesy, easy life, man, and look at us, we're still here. No, you can boast about keeping the faith when you were under attack from the moment you woke up to the moment you went to bed and you didn't know what the next day held for you, but I kept my faith. I kept the faith. I endured. I became immune to what was around me. So God isn't promising us avoidance, but he is encouraging us resistance to the things of the world. What would it look like if for us as believers, we became immune to the challenges of life? 
And again, to redefine that, I'm not saying we, we walk around with our head in the clouds like nothing ever happens, but we recognize greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And anything that he that is in the world could try to bring against me isn't greater than the one that is within me. And something on the inside has to be built and has to be greater than what's happening to you. What is in you has to be greater than what happens to you. In sickness, in pestilence, in lack, in attack, in people coming against you, in friends falling away, in, 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 in struggles and in challenges, whatever the day may bring, uh, tomorrow, Thursday, March, uh, what is it, 13th or, or, or 14th, whatever, whatever it could bring tomorrow, is it greater than what's inside of you? Because you cannot resist what is around you until you build up what is within you. That's how the immune system works. The immune system doesn't work by getting yourself a nice big blow up bubble and getting yourself inside of it and wherever you go eat and, and wherever you go to go, go to the movies. I was talking to, uh, uh, I think it was Kayla last week, talking about the new movie theater and the new seats. Oh, those new reclining seats. Don't get any ideas. We ain't getting any of those seats in here. I'll nev you'll never hear another word. Uh, it's amazing I even stayed awake through the movie. I mean, they recline, they're leather. It's awesome. They're cool. I was talking to Kayla uh, last week about them, and she was talking, and she said, I'm a germaphobe. Those seats scare me. I said, well, you better get in there now before people start breaking them in and start leaving stuff on them. <laughs> But you don't resist that stuff by doing stuff externally. To build your immune system and to resist the, the, the pathogens and the things that try to come against your body, I'm just talking naturally speaking, you have to build up what's inside of you in an unseen place. You gotta build yourself up where no one sees. You gotta build yourself up where nobody's looking through prayer, through the word, through worship, worship is one of the most powerful ways to build a resistance. Ask Paul in silence. And so we've got we, we, to learn how to properly build our immunity to the things of the world. And God isn't promising us avoidance. And God isn't, pro and let me, let me flip it to the other side. God isn't promising or saying that these things are gonna happen and there's just nothing you can do about it and, and, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. And, and you know, and I'm bringing struggle and I'm bringing sickness and I'm, put, and I'm trying to test your, that's not what he's saying either. He's saying, look, this happens in a natural fallen world, number one. Number two, there's an enemy that absolutely hates you and hates the, hates the cause that you're all about. And he's going to do everything to stop. I mean, talking about these teenagers and talking about these kids, what if the church worked as hard as the devil to reach these children? 
No, we don't, we don't complain and gripe and cancel when we have an opportunity to serve in Nautilus and put the word of God in them because the devil would love to have that opportunity. He would love to have an have a, have a, have a hour with, with, with the child on YouTube and would love to show them some stuff that they'll never be able to get out of their brain for the rest of their life and they'll have to go to therapy and counseling sessions and, 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 and have to build up tolerances to things that they shouldn't even see at the age of five, six, and seven anyways. The teenagers, look, we should be knocking down the walls of the Lowndes High School come April 17th because the devil sure is. He's all up in that school. He's all up in there through any any way possible, any way, shape, or form. Right, Myrna? Right, Chase? These are teachers in that, in that environment. They see the stuff that they're dealing with day in and day out that they can't even, they don't even have a hope of building a resistance or a, uh, 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 immunity towards. But we can get the word of God in them that can show, show them who they are in Christ, give them a destiny and a purpose so they don't have to graduate high school and try to figure out what life is all about. The devil is not wasting any time. He is working hard. Tooth and nail. Look at what's happening in our country with abortions. Look at what's happening in our country with, with babies dying, the attack on the, the very beginning of life. Do we really have time to sit back and say, well, it's not convenient for me. I'm busy that night. I got too much going on. I can't serve back then. I mean, really, do we have that kind of mentality? I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but I'm just trying to help us see right now that this is a real deal. This is real life. This is a real struggle. And the devil's not sitting back. We've got to wake up. And we can't just moan and wallow and cry and whine when struggles and trials come. The fact that he is attacking me tells me that I've got something that he's, he's afraid of. I'm a threat to his territory, a threat to his kingdom, and I'm going to make hell pay for letting me go. He should have never touched my life, should have never touched my family, never touched my kids, never touched my ministry, never touched my home. You're going to think twice about ever coming back here again, devil. That's how we should be standing up. That's how we should be responding to the trials and the issues of the world. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.